Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello, Seattle. Hello, Peter Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, event sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and the Admiral of Alsatian Wines. That's right, folks. Um, I have uh, one of the world's uh, superstar wine family uh, representatives here in studio, and it's um, uh, so apropos because when we think about uh, November and December, we're always thinking about red wines, and of course we have that big holiday coming up here in the Americas. It's called Thanksgiving, and uh, I know that there's a bunch of French wine uh, regions that are vying for your attention, whether it's Burgundy, Beaujolais, uh, and one of the uh, uh, often overlooked areas in uh, France for some fantastic wines that go with a host of, of great meals, especially in this hearty uh, season, um, is Alsace. And Alsace is there on the border of the eastern border of France, um, kind of center north, and um, it's right next to Germany. It's had a long, long history of going back and forth. Um, in fact, my great-grandmother was born in Alsace-Lorraine. Uh, and they've since changed the name, and uh, rest your soul. Uh, so I've got uh, some German and French in me, that's for sure. Um, but today, I have a 100% French woman, and her name is Anne Trimbach. Anne is part of the Trimbach family, and they have been producing wine for, well, let's have Anne tell us. Anne Trimbach, welcome to Happy Hour. Hello, bonjour. Bonjour, you. madame. Uh, uh, bienvenue à Seattle, and to, uh, was it, uh, Le Heure Feliz de, no, Le Heure Heureuse, on radio, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, let's see, you are a, a young lady, um, you are, went to college. Tell me about your you growing up in the Trimbach family. Mm, okay. So, we started to make wines in 1626, to answer the previous question, and... Uh, I have been uh, yeah, growing up at the winery. I was growing up at the winery, so I was climbing at uh, wooden pallets of wine. I was, uh, yes, uh, an, a very happy child, always outside, uh, helping during harvests and uh, annoying people as long as I could. And uh, yes, then I was in college, of course. I was in Dijon in Burgundy for a few years. Mm. And uh, yeah, then I came to my family 11 years ago and I said, that I wanted to follow Hubert's path. Hubert, my great uncle, that has been to Seattle many, many times, and I've been doing uh, this work—not work, but this uh, uh, lifestyle. I've, lifestyle. <laughs> I'm an ambassador. I've been for 11 years now. Oh, congratulations, and well, welcome to uh, the big wide world. How many countries uh, is Trimbach wine exported to? Oh, I don't know. Uh, many. Many. Um, I couldn't say right now by heart. Uh, not all countries of the world, but a lot. Yes, and do you get to travel to the, uh, to represent the family in, in some of those areas, countries, regions? Yes, uh, my uncle Jean and I, we travel the world, so we share the U.S. in two because it's our biggest market and it's a big country. Uh-huh. And then I go mostly to, to Scandinavian markets and anywhere they need me, and Jean covers Asia and, yeah. 
So um, there are, uh, what, 52 villages now or 51 villages, uh, Grand Cru villages in the area of uh, Alsace from the low area in the north to the high area in the south based mm -hmm. on the, the, the tectonic plates and the, the grabens and, of course, the soil. Where is Trimbach located? Right in the middle. <laughs> okay, the best of the best of both. <clears throat> Riboville, uh, it's a small village of maybe five thousand people, located on the fault line actually, uh, with a beautiful mosaic of soils, and uh, it's exactly in the middle of Alsace. Yes. And uh, who are some of your neighbors? Is is Riboville a very popular spot for some of the the renowned producers in Alsace? Uh, yeah, I would say so. There are some renowned producers in Riboville as well. And uh, we are very close to Rigvir, where you have another famous ones. Uh, Berkheim is the next village. There is also Bergheim, famous ones. Right. I mean, yes, we are surrounded with uh, Hugel, uh, mm -hmm. Louis Sip, maybe you know in Seattle. Yes. Um, Dice is not too far away. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, yeah, We are all very close uh, in terms of... Uh, Kilometers, Alsace is only 120 kilometers long. The wine road, I mean. The wine road, yes. yes. Uh, 120 kilometers long, and it's only it's less than 25 miles wide. Of course, it's um, uh, protected by the Vosges Mountains, which makes it a natural rain shadow. So you have lots and lots of sunlight mm -hmm. um, over 1,800 hours a year. And how, with global warming, um, what are the temperatures? Do you, do you get snow over there without, even though you don't have any r much rain, or do you actually have really hot summers like we'd have down here in the Willamette Valley? Yeah, um, continental, semi-continental semi, semi microclimate, yeah. so um, road winters usually, but uh, not the last winters. The 2010 was the last road winter we had. Since then, it's been a bit, uh, I wouldn't say mild, but still freezing, uh, but uh, not that much snow, unfortunately, I wish. And uh, summers are very hot and very dry, yes. And when it comes to um, producing wine in the Alsace region, of course, we do have the Grand Cru villages, and uh, those are named by its Grand Cru crew wines of course they can be one of four different grape varieties all being white um, but there's a history of um, of a variety of different grapes of course we have Pinot Noir being the mainstay red but uh, Sylvaner and Gewürztraminer and Riesling and Pinot Blanc and Auxerrois and uh, uh, Mulet Turgau perhaps um, when how many parcels, how many sources does Trimbach use for, to produce your lineup of wines? Well, uh, I think nobody at the winery could tell. <laughs> yeah, maybe our chef de culture or my dad would be able to tell how many parcels, but we have uh, we own 60 hectares now in 10 different villages, uh, mostly in Riboville, where we are located, Riboville area, the two surrounding villages, Hunavir and Berkheim. Uh, yes, we have... Uh, it's a, it's a lot to count. You do. And today I see two, four, six, eight. Wheat bottles. So we get eight bottles of wine to taste. How many wines uh, expressions are produced by the Trimbach family? In a, in a great vintage, close to 20 different wines ah. because we have seven grape varieties. So it makes already quite a lot of... Sure. And mostly Rieslings. 50% of the production is dry Riesling. And we have, yes, from the classic to the Clos Antune, we can produce Clos eight or nine different Rieslings in a vintage. Right. Uh, when, when I'm thinking about the, these particular expressions of wine, um, Alsace is particularly mostly dry, right? When we think about um, the yes. sweetness, residual sugar in wine, Alsace tends to be dry. Yes. Whereas Germany, of course, and Mosul, et cetera, will be a little sweet depending on uh, the ripeness level. But that's because they have so much acidity. And what's interesting about Alsatian wines is, is really the winemaking style. It's, it's pervasive is that it seems to be what we'll call the oxidative style, right? They're looking for this wine to 
mature in stainless steel and or old oak. Is that part of the winemaking process for Trimbach? Uh, oxidative style, I wouldn't say. We, we don't like, I mean, that's a bad word. I don't want to use that, okay. but there's a very fleshy style. It's not so lasered focused. Well, maybe we are a bit different. Maybe I think our wines are quite laser focused right. in a way. I mean, there is a, there is some beautiful fruitiness in the wines as well, but it's a dry, very precise, very very focused. Okay, well, and I've, I've got the examples here, so we'll start to taste. Um, and also... You said 1620s. Has that been a continuous in Riboville? Your family's been there for Rigvier at first in 1626 in Rigvier and then in Hunavir and now for 100 years in Riboville and we have everything on site and uh, I think we stay there. So uh, are there many street signs or, or rues with the Trimbach name or is there like a Hubert, Rue de Hubert? No, no, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. That is a long time. Um, okay, so uh, what's the website people can find uh, if they're listening right now to follow along? Uh, Trimbach.fr and uh, mostly things happen on Facebook or Instagram. Okay, sure. yeah, all right. Well, it's good to be ca caught up, and uh, technology certainly plays a, a big role in um, sharing and exposing people to wine. So I have left to right, Alex, uh, on which one am I? Am I starting on the left side, or am I starting with the right Pinot Noir? The right Pinot Noir, Okay, yeah. excellent. And we think of all sauce, of course, we think about white wines for the most part, but with this great benefit of global warming... <laughs> Pinot Noir has been planted there for a long, 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 long time, and now it's starting to gain um, some recognition here. I'm looking at this color. This is not a color we would expect from most uh, Alsatian Pinot Noirs 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. It would have been a lot more pink, a lot lighter. Yep, this has a very uh, nice red garnet core. Let's talk about this Pinot Noir. Is this from one village or? Mm -hmm. We produce two different Pinot Noirs. This is the Reserve Personnel, and it comes from a vineyard called Rottenberg, the Red Hill which is located between Ribouville and Berkheim. Red clay and limestone soils, old vines we planted back in 85, a selection myself from Burgundy. Mm. Uh, but a Pinot Noir made in a very much like Alsace style, which means for us, no wood, uh, pure stainless steel vinification, maceration of destemmed grapes for about 12 days or so. Wow. And yeah. Cindy, you, you got it rolling off the tongue. <laughs> now, 1985, is this? these vines are older than you are, I imagine. Uh, no, a bit younger, actually. <laughs> Thank you. Had <Okay>. a <laughs> check. Um, and interesting, the name again is Reserve Personnel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it means everything and nothing. We chose this name back in the 60s, uh, so probably that was a very fancy name at that time. Uh -huh. There is no legislation behind this. Uh, sure. Reserve personnel. Um, we actually should maybe name it by the name of the vineyard someday. Okay. We'll think about it. Vintner's Reserve is a big popular one you could try. Sorry? Vineyard's Reserve? <laughs> Vintner's, yeah. It's, ah, Vintner's. It's, yeah, it's from a big company, Kendall Jackson. You've probably seen it. Um, well, this is really delicious. And you said this is from one from one area. and. Yes. Um, the vines are, let's see, so that's just about 30 plus years, uh, 34, 35 years. Yes. Um, delicious wine. I'm I'm really impressed by the ripeness level. And are there challenges with uh, um, hail or frost or um, other pressures mm -hmm. on Pinot Noir there? I mean, for every grape variety, it can happen. Um, hail is usually very, very local, and I'm glad it doesn't happen often. But it has happened, and some winemakers have already lost entire parcels just because of hail. And same with the, what did you say, frost? Yes, until the end of May, we are not sure that it's going to be okay. Uh -huh. And uh, in 2017, we had some frost issues. Interesting. So. And um, when I'm thinking about uh, the region, of course, um, what makes uh, Alsace so unique is that the variety of soils you have. And when you were planting Pinot Noir, the family, did they find something that they, they felt 
strongly about that Pinot Noir would grow well in this particular region because of the soil types, or was it more of aspect, or let's plant it here because we have space? Uh, no, the, when we plant grapes, we really look for what kind of soil it is and which grape would uh, behave the the best on this <laughs> soil in a way. So when we were looking for a parcel uh, for Pinot Noir, uh, we were looking mostly for something with limestone. So Sure. Yeah, yeah, much like Burgundy, and uh, of course, limestone provides great elegance in in when the minerality in wines. And Pinot Noir, obviously planted in '85, but doesn't the Pinot Noir go back in history with the Trimbach family? Have have they produced Pinot Noir prior mm, to this? Not more than forty or fifty years uh, ah. ago. It's quite new for us. I mean, when we talk sixteen twenty six. 50, okay. Let's say fifty years. Yeah, it's quite new. I so, think it's Hubert and my grandfather Bernard who started with Pinot Noir prior to that. Only, right. only white. Um, delicious wine, and uh, these wines are available at all the fine retail shops here on the west side and the east side in Seattle, Esquin, and McCarthy and & Shearing. And, of course, if you have a wine steward at your favorite store, ask them about Trimbach, and you can certainly find them. But the Pinot Noir is really a stellar example of um, Pinot Noir. It, it tastes like Pinot Noir. It's reminiscent of Burgundy. Of course, it doesn't quite have the acidity, the length, um, or the complexity, but it is really delicious, and uh, um, I'm finding it um, quite lovely, uh, of course, on the Saturday night. Next wine is Pinot Blanc, mm -hmm. and Pinot Blanc, also known as Pinot Bianco in Italy. Um, tell me about this particular wine here. Does this have a fancy name? A fancy name, like what? what uh, you mean? Uh, no, just Pinot Blanc. <laughs> this is one of our classic wines, we say, and so it, do, it just has the name of the grape variety. It's actually a blend of Auxerrois and Pinot Blanc, and it's actually a majority of Auxerrois, 70% and 30% Pinot Blanc only. Because for several reasons, my father likes this blend. It's uh, Auxerrois brings a nice juiciness to the wine, and Pinot Blanc, the acidity and the structure. And plus, we don't produce any bubbles, any crément. Crément, right. So we do we we tend to find more Auxerrois than <coughs> Pinot Blanc because for this wine we also purchase some grapes. So uh -huh. the wine growers uh, usually bring more Auxerrois because the Cremant is more like reserved for people who make the bubbles. Right. Uh, and, of course, uh, Cremant Alsace is a delicious sparkling wine made in the um, traditional method, champagne method, uh, and very popular, of course, uh, in the area. One of many different Cremants that come from um, France uh, outside the Champagne region. I've got Anne Trimbach, who is, uh, Trimbach, who is uh, part of the family of the the family from 1630 on in the town of Reboville in Alsace. We've got some more wines to taste, so stick around, folks. Be right back on Happy Hour Radio. loud. He's proud. Holding nothing back. Michael Savage. The Savage Nation. Weeknights 9 to midnight. Talk Radio 570 KVI. Now more KVI Want to Know Weekends. Back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. I hope you're having a great Saturday night. I have the pleasure of a lovely lady, Anne Trimbach, who is uh, all the way from Alsace, France. And uh, lo and behold, she brought a bunch of loot. She's got some fantastic wines here, all in the uh, the Flute d'Alsace, which is the long, slender bottle. Looks much like a, uh, a German Riesling bottle, but we call it the Flute d'Alsace. We tried the Pinot Noir, which is the Reserve Personnel, um, planted in 1985, uh, deliciously ripe. 
uh, Credit Expressive, and then we moved into a Pinot Blanc, which, oddly enough, is seventy percent Oxira, which is a little different uh, white grape, uh, and and but it's also named Pinot Blanc, which is interesting because EU requirements say that. In this instance, Pinot Blanc can be Oxarab, and you can label it because that's what the AOC says. But otherwise, it has to be 85% to have the label, the variety on it. Is that right? Mm, yeah, or even 100%, I guess, for most of the grapes. I think it's the only grape where you can do a bit what you want. I mean, in terms <laughs> yeah. of labeling, it could be named six different ways. And we chose Pinot Blanc just because it's easier to remember. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's a quite delicious wine. Um, it's, it's often overlooked because it just sounds... Um, Pinot Blanc. It's, it's not quite as exciting as like when we think of Riesling. Riesling can be racy, and of course, Gewürztraminer, which is can be spicy. Um, but this is delicious. I'm digging it, and uh, I know that I can still have smell some of the cheeses we had from last week's um, cheeses of Europe uh, conversation with Charles Duke. Um, but this would be go great with cheese. And when it comes to cheese, you were mentioning earlier that Munster is a great cheese from Alsace. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> okay. We don't see that that much. Uh, that's the one with the orange on the outside, right? Yes. It's kind of creamy. But I, I've had Munster cheeses in the U.S. It's not the same. It's you have to try same. it in Alsace. Okay, of yeah. course. It Every- doesn't travel well. <laughs> Everything is better when you're uh, there together. All right. Um, next wine uh, is the fame, uh, one of the Grand Cru grapes, uh, Riesling. Tell me about this one. So you mean the classic? So yeah, the classic. Yes. Oui, oui. Uh, so uh, Riesling is for us the most amazing white grape variety in the world uh, because of many reasons. Uh, we always vinify Riesling in a dry style, uh, stainless steel vinification usually. This is the way we like Riesling, and this is really a textbook Riesling from the region. Uh, very fresh, citrusy, lemony, uh, vibrant. Is there batonnage? I, I get some some yeast notes. Is this just part of the the? Um, it's just actually, again, I don't use the oxidative, but it's a very fleshy wine. Mm-hmm. Even even though Riesling has great high acidity, this has a, a very high line of acidity, but it's it's has what we'll call meat on the bone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is really it's kind of chewy. Yeah, but no batonnage. Uh, nothing like in Burgundy. Very traditional style of winemaking and. Uh, uh, Yes, we we keep only very thin leaves, so okay. nothing nothing really special. This uh, wine too is is served at room temperature, which to me is is perfect because as a, a professional duvan, we can find the flaws that are um, hidden by whether it's sugar and or temperature. And of course, um, this is a flawless wine, uh, lovely wine, and, and these are very reasonable. I think these are um, all in the twenty two dollar range, twenty five dollar range. Is that for the classic versions? Um, so very affordable and very flexible w- with um, this heartier style of food that we're we're probably craving. Next up is the uh, Riesling Reserve. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about this wine. Yeah, this is uh, a selection from uh, five different vineyards in the village of Ribouville and the two surrounding villages. Uh, <clears throat> not places that are very famous in the U.S., but very reputed locally. Um, old vines, marl and limestone soils, Always the same vineyards, only our grapes, and it's a it's a wine that is uh, fantastic today because it drinks so well. It's uh, five, um, not five, three years in the bottle, uh, so it's absolutely perfect, and it's going to be perfect for the next ten, fifteen years, no problem. Wow, this is definitely um, a more elegant version of the Riesling. It, it, the acidity and um, uh, it's leger, it's lighter, it, it has a little more high toned. 
um, I don't say candied lime, but it, it certainly uh, has a little more lift to the to this wine. Uh, Riesling is is delicious, and um, when you think about Alsatian foods, what what do we eat in Alsace? Um, we tend to eat uh, well uh, a quite rich style, uh, rich style, richer style of food. Um, lots of pork, lots of beautiful fish lakes, lake fishes. Um, when it comes to Riesling, we think choucroute immediately, sauerkraut, right. sauerkraut, and. Um, Yes, all these beautiful fish, fishes for cor- of sh- ah, of course, I'm losing my words. The f- yes, the fish and is it often with a cream sauce there? In yes, sauce? lots of cream cream sauces, uh, cocoa riesling. So this um, uh, roaster uh, cooked in the riesling for hours. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. Interesting. I know the, so- the sauce is made out of riesling. I mean, right? It's not cocoa van and from Burgundy. It's, it's uh, almost the same. Yeah. Except you know, using kind of riesling. Interesting. Yes. I I don't remember hearing a recipe. W- with uh, chicken, rooster, and riesling. It I mean, sounds cock, like it makes yes. sense. Cock is rooster, right? Huh? Correct, anyway. yes. Okay. Coxcomb. <laughs> yes. Have, I've actually had that, which is uh, quite interesting. Uh, but I digress. Now, this riesling, uh, it's called the Reserve. And again, this is a diff- are these select parcels or a different vinification, you said? Uh, no vinification, the same, but uh, different parcels, yes. Uh, specific parcels, always the same uh, because of the soil. Uh, we have lots of limestone around Ribovili and in the village. So we we selected these parcels and we this Riesling Reserve has, me, has been made like that for uh, a long time now. Excellent. Uh, you certainly do have the history and the lineage um, and uh, the... the uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, the pro- what is it? The protege? You guys? Uh, um, I can't think of that word. But you do. I do see a label that is very um, recognizable. Of course, the yellow Trimbach label definitely. But Cuvée Frederic Emile. Who was who was Frederic Emile? He was my great 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 grandfather. He was a winemaker for us uh, back in the 19th century, and he made us quite famous in Europe for um, for. Thanks to his Rieslings already at that time. He won lots of prizes. So when my grandfather and Hubert took over the winery in the 50s, they decided that one of the wines should be named after him. And this uh, this Riesling is coming from the two Grand Cru vineyards behind the winery, Grand Cru Geisberg and Osterberg. And so in 67, we gave the name to of Frédéric Emile to this wine. Wow. Okay. So 50 years ago, that had been 07. Would that be the 50, yeah, 50th vintage? No, 17. Okay. Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of that age, too, but I think I'm at that age where I can't remember how old I am. Um, really neat. Now, this is one of the benchmark Rieslings produced in Alsace and all over the world. This is recognized. This is something we had on our list. We look forward to, to sharing it because it, it has texture, it has richness, it has depth, of course, complexity, um, and a, that laser line of acidity. Um, this wine, again, you said it comes from two parcels, Grand Cru parcels or villages behind uh, Riboville. Uh, just behind our winery, our winery in the village of Riboville, yeah. two Grand Cru, two parcels, yes. Same soil, marl, limestone, and sandstone. They are just next to each other. When we think about um, wines uh, wines with age, this is a 2012 vintage, I think it says. 11? 2011, very mm-hmm. good. Again, the age with my eyes working <laughs> as well. Um, is this wine showing what, where it should now? Is this the wine we should be drinking this wine now? Is that why it's released or this is what's available? Or or do we wait for Rieslings? Do we want them to age and become more sophisticated or, um, you know, different flavors? When's the right time to drink a Cuvée Frederic Emile? 
Um, we do a little bit of uh, work for people because we keep this wine in the cellar in the bottle for bottle aging as long as we can. So this is the current vintage right now, 2011. And... Um, we advise usually people to wait eight, ten years before to drink Frédéric Emile, but it depends on the vintage. This is a very approachable vintage already because it was a warmer vintage. An 08 right now would be a bit tighter, so it depends. All right. Um, it's lovely wine, and when I'm thinking about, um, is there a temperature? Do you like to, when you think about Rieslings, a lot of time white wines, we probably chill them too cold. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we're looking for expression in wines, we want them to be less cold because mm-hmm. that's like, I always use the pizza analogy. Cold pizza doesn't taste the same as warm pizza versus mm-hmm. hot pizza. So pretend wine is pizza. <laughs> if you like cold pizza, sure, drink your wine cold. But if you want more flavor, let that wine warm up a little bit. And mm-hmm. do you um, do you have a special glass that you like to to imbibe the Riesling in? Is there a special glass you work with uh, that Austrian cat, George Riedel at all? Uh, we have different brands at the winery. We work with Zalto, the famous oh, yes, one, and they have Zalto. this amazing Riesling glass. Oh, we have Riedel, we have Spigolo. We these are the three brands we work with. And yes, uh, they all have this universal Riesling glass kind of. I don't know the name, the exact name, but. Yes. Zalto is, is one of the, the most uh, ethereal experiences I've ever had. It's kind of like a kiss, one of a fantastic kiss when you put that glass to your lips. It's absolutely um, uh, mind-reeling and uh, really the, quite a pleasurable experience, like any good mm-hmm. kiss should be. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, okay, we've got one more wine here, then we're going to jump into some dessert styles or um, something a little different. The final wine here is Pinot Gris, mm-hmm. and this is a different label. Why is this label white and not yellow like the other ones? Um, so they are two sides. Ah, okay. When, uh, actually, it was back in the 90s, uh, our previous importer wanted to push Pinot Gris uh, because Pinot Grigio was booming, obviously, at that time. Yes. So we decided to create two two special labels, which might disappear, actually, in the future because we are in the process of kind of renewing our labels. Mm. Not too much, don't worry. Okay. Um, but um, it, we, it worked. It became the number one selling wine from us in the U.S. It was by the glass everywhere. It was the very successful wine from us in the 90s. Wow, uh, it's still delicious, Pinot Gris. Of course, um, medium to medium plus acidity, depending on when they harvested it. Um, and it's also dry. There's, uh, there's a certain sense of ripeness here. It's, it has apples and pears. And um, again, it's it's a great wine by the glass, something that's very quaffable, very refreshing uh, and delicious. Speaking with Anne Trimbach, who is, uh, what generation are you? 13th. 13th generation. Lucky 13. That's my number. Hey, folks, stick around. I've got uh, a couple more great wines to taste with uh, the woman herself, Anne Trimbach of Trimbach from Alsace. Stick around, folks. Be right back on Happy Hour Radio. Two regular guys separated by 20 years and a full head of hair. Mark Lee and Van Camp. Weekdays 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. And you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle Sommelier, Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, hope you're having a great Saturday night. Welcome back. Time for round three. And I've got, uh, well, more than three bottles and more than three glasses in front of me. But one lovely lady, Anne Trimbach, who is uh, the 13th generation of the Alsatian family, the Trimbachs, who produce um, a variety of fantastic white wines. And, of course, uh, one Pinot Noir. Is it Sulemont en bouteille de Pinot Noir, or do you produce more? 
two. Not right. that much. Not that much. So no, no. is the other one um, Plus Reserve? or No, it's uh, Just Reserve. <laughs> just Reserve. <laughs> okay. So uh, when you're looking at the label, be sure that you you know what you're getting, the Reserve Personnel or the Reserve Pinot Noir. But um, on to the whites, we, we've enjoyed the Pinot Blanc, the Riesling, the Riesling Reserve, the Cuvée Frederick Emile, and of course the iconic Pinot Gris, which is uh, uh, apparently poured locally by one of our stalwart restaurants called Ray's. Almost. The Pinot Blanc. Pinot Blanc's board. Yes, the first one oh, you had. Okay. Well, that makes sense because that's tasty too. Well, yeah. very good. And, uh, and with the seafood, it, it's perfect. Yes. Uh, I'm not going to argue. And uh, interesting because you, you talk about river fish or lake fish. Those fish are tend to be um, softer flesh. And mm-hmm. yet here out in the ocean, we've got fish that have to swim faster they get eaten <laughs> a little more firm um, regardless uh, these these wines will, will pair beautifully with um, whether it's turkey or pork or sausage or um, potatoes and sauerkraut mustards of course when we think about things with acidity mm-hmm. all these wines have great uh, acidity to match um, the pinot gris here is called reserve personnel again uh, the second Pinot Gris is called Reserve Personnel again, yeah. yes. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, I like that. And so that was another 60s thing. We need to create two different versions. And so Reserve Personnel, I uh, got it. But it's, it, the label looks like the uh, Cuvée Frédéric Emile. Mm-hmm. Why is it darker? Is that just because at that time you had a chance to make a different label from yellow to the more um, um, brushed gold? In these labels, date back from the 60s. Yeah. So the marketing from that time, probably the yellow was more for the classic wines and then gold labels, there we go. you know, meant from top vineyards. And so this Pinot Gris Reserve Personnel is also from Grand Cru, but uh-huh. just one, Osterberg, uh, one of those wow. that we use for the Frédéric Emile, actually. So it's not a wine that we produce every year. It's only when the vintage is very good. Wow, now that's an expressive wine. Pinot Gris... Um, like Pinot Grigio, I was just at an Italian wine tasting here, and they did a whole seminar on um, uh, Fruili Pinot Grigio della Venezia. Like we had seven different versions of Pinot Grigio from the northern Italy, and they didn't really taste that different. I was surprised. Whereas, had they had one of these wines in there, a total different style, total different ripeness level, total different texture. And um, when you think about the reserve personnel, from a Grand Cru vineyard, um, you can't say Grand Cru for Pinot Gris, can you? Uh, yes, we can. Oh, we yes. can. So it's uh, Muscat, uh, Riesling, Riesling, Pinot Gris, Pinot Gris and Grishmeiner. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, but you chose not to use the, a Grand Cru village on there. Yes, in the old it. days, my great uncle and my grandfather were not big fans of the system of the Grand Cru itself. But uh, now things have evolved the right way. So we also <laughs> have a small collection of Grand Cru, but only Rieslings. Got it. And we, know, we didn't talk enough about... This Pinot Gris, we might change the name one day. Who knows? I don't know. We we didn't we didn't sit around the table and talk about it. It's yet. working, so um, I imagine. And when you think about production levels, is the uh, uh, reserve personnel Pinot Gris the smallest production from this particular um, portfolio? This selection? Uh, the selection we have today, yes, uh, a little bit like Pinot Noir. Yes, not that much. Maybe fifteen thousand bottles or so. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Interesting. Well, I like that that you get to use you get to buy one bottle for most of 
most all of your wines, right? Mm-hmm. That probably saves. Uh, I know having a winery myself that you know all the little costs that go with uh, the capsule, different capsules and the corks and screw tops and things like that. Um, the Pinot Gris is absolutely delicious. Um, price point for this is this in the forty dollar range? The or is this? Um, I mean, because this is a, quite a substantial, um, deliciously mouth filling wine. Mm-hmm. I want to know that is this. Uh, it's not a hundred dollars, right? No, no, no. No, no. But uh, I'm so bad with pricing because uh, every state's different. Exactly. Yeah. But it's a little less. It's actually not in the price. But I want to say if it was retail, it'd be in the low sixties. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So mm-hmm. it is. It's definitely. Um, now, are we looking to age this longer? Is this something that we, you know, because the acidity is not quite as high as Riesling. Does it have the ageability? Oh yes, it does. Um, I actually had a bottle of Pinot Gris Reserve Personnel '96 not too long ago, so mm. it can make those 20, uh, yeah, 15, 20 years with no problem. Is there a bit of residual sugar on this version? Uh, this is 2014 vintage. It might have between five and ten grams of sugar. Okay, so it's to just 10, a little maybe, juicier, yeah, just yeah, a little yeah. more fruit forward, which um, I, I enjoy, and I think it goes well with food. And of course, who doesn't like um, that uh, lovely ripeness level? Final wine is Gewürztraminer, and um, the Traminer grape is one of the oldest grapes uh, in Europe, that being with Muscat, um, Traminer, and oh, I forget the other one, but um, Gewürztraminer um, actually means spice, right? Spicy Traminer, yes. Spicy Traminer, very yeah. good. And Gewürztraminer is a very unique grape and a very recognizable style of wine from Alsace. Let's talk about this wine. Mm-hmm. It's a, yeah, it's a very unique and very aromatic grape variety. It can be fantastic or very catastrophic, I would say. <laughs> if it's, uh, when it's glowing and, uh, and too pungent, the perfumes are too pungent, um, it's to me difficult to drink. So we like to do the opposite style, more like disciplined and elegant. Uh, and this is actually something that works with food very, very easily. But it's also a nice wine to drink just just for itself. I know that um, when, when we smell wines that the perfumes and the floral notes and the citrus and stone fruit notes um, are things that we really appreciate but Gewürztraminer can be very very powerful and, and a little bit overpowering because I think some of the memories we have are from Grandma Mare, right? From her, maybe you're in her room and playing with her her, her old clothes and they have maybe some sachet, some mm-hmm. old flowers. And this is very floral, very, we talk about um, uh, tropical notes and lychee and uh, ginger and, and spice. And um, Gewürztraminer can be a little overpowering, but you're right, this is a little more muted. This is has just um, nuances of that those wonderful aromatics, but it's not overpowering. In fact, it's just enough to tease you. Mm-hmm, exactly. How do you say tease in French? Titiller. Titiller? Something like that. That's a dangerous one. It depends which way. Difficult to translate. So titillating. That's what it means, right? Titillating. How about that? Learning some French here. What a treat. Now, you produce up to 20 different particular expressions in the Trimback family. What are, what's the most prized wine that you think, that, you know, like we've done this wine, it's the Selection Grand Noble, or is it uh, Vendage Tardive, which means late harvest and or Petritus grained uh, grapes? Which is the most... Uh, which which wine do you is, is the most prized, do you think? Mm-hmm. Like this is the... Clos Saint-Une. Clos Saint-Une and Frédéric Riesling. Emile. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Both of them, actually. Those yes. are the, oh, yeah. the two uh, uh, mm-hmm. hallmark uh, yeah. wines that are recognized. And Clos Saint-Une, now that is from a Grand Cru village, 
but it's from just a single vineyard, right? Yes, it's from Grand Cru Rosacker in the village Rosacker. of yeah, in the village of Hunavir, and uh, it's a, a small plot of 1.67 hectares, so about four acres of pure li pure limestone, and it's been uh, labeled the same way, just close Saint-Une Riesling for 100 years this year. Wow, 100 years this year. Yeah. Wow, excellent. Well, uh, I don't think I've ever tasted it. I know that oh. one of our friends here, Arnie Milan, is a big fan of Close oh, Saint-Hune yeah. mm -hmm. over at Esquin, so yeah. I'll have to go tug on his shirt tails and see if I can... Uh, uh, um, uh, work my way into his uh, little tasting group sometime. When it comes to dessert wines, what are some of the desserts in Alsace? Uh, desserts in Alsace? Well, that's a good question for me because I rarely have dessert myself. It's just cheese, right? Uh, I usually get the cheese, <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, a kuglop glacé, lots of tarts with fruits because we have lots of trees. Uh, fruit trees, I mean. Um... Hmm, a traditional dessert, maybe uh, lots of uh, lots of cakes with um, eau de vie, brandies, you know, oh, like yeah. uh, kirsch, uh, right. kirsch, kind of millefeuille, kind of things like that, brio kirsch, etc., etc. So all these desserts, uh, like Gewürztraminer uh, Vendange Tardive, late harvest, for example. Um, but for these wines, the sweeter wines, uh, I tend to like when it's very fresh and acidic desserts. So, right. Yeah. Yes. Because then it's too much and too much. I mean, sweet plus sweet. Uh, to me, it's too much. So uh, sure. And it's actually wines that go as well with foie gras, and they go well with cheese, strong cheese as well. So, in the old days, we used to do uh, differently than today. We used to have the starter fish, then a meat, and then cheese dessert, um, foie gras, cheese, and dessert. And we could keep the same wine, so late harvest, for example, for the three last courses. Wow. Love to be at your dinner table. Mm -hmm. On Trimbach, this has been a fantastic experience for me. Uh, welcome back to Seattle, and thank you so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you. Uh, fantastic wines, folks. If you want to bring something new to the table, definitely reach out and try Pinot Blanc or Pinot Gris or Virtuator Riesling. Any of these wines with the Trimbach name is something you can guarantee is going to be a pleasure. Uh, find those at Esquin or McCarthy and Shearing or, you know, ask your favorite wine steward. Hey, folks, stick around. we got some closing thoughts here on Happy Hour Radio. He's live, he's local, he's all Northwest. Lars Larson, weekdays noon to 3, Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, hope you have a great Saturday night. Welcome to our fourth and final segment. And I'm here left with uh, a, a bunch of uh, glasses that are not empty. Shame on me. Um, I guess it's all about moderation, but uh, tis the season. Here we are in November and then December. Then we're making all those all those promises to ourselves in January about how we're going to uh, turn our lives around and be, get better in shape or be more fiscally responsible or be loving and more nice or or perhaps, uh, you know, just start some new regimen that... Uh, um, but, you know, what's interesting is that I kind of hate to wait that long, right? I know it's easy to indulge and and to um, to overdo it in the November, December. But these days, uh, you know, there's too many people out there driving with 
with with the wrong uh, mindset, and of course with cannabis available, and of course uh, all the holiday parties, uh, it's important that you, you plan ahead and you know um, live life. It's we only have one time to go around, and uh, you know as as much as there's a bunch of yolos out there. <laughs> Um, you only live once. Uh, you want to um, enjoy that life because you do only live once. So you know, don't try to maximize it. Um, uh, let's go for uh, quality and quantity, right? We want to have a, a long, happy life, and of course, um, you know, in, in enjoying, imbibing in uh, great beers and friendship and wine and cocktails and, of course, good food and and uh, the camaraderie of others is is part of the hu- human experience. And when you're out and about here in Washington State, um, you you might not be aware, but we just surpassed a thousand wineries, one thousand wineries, and we just have about under sixty thousand acres of grapes. That's not a lot. That's like the twenty-five thousand hectares, which is minuscule in in the big picture. Um, but we are the the nation's uh, or the second largest largest wine producing state in the uh, North American continent. We can say that with uh, with uh, with surety. Um, but a thousand wineries. And what's great about these wineries is that these are all passionate people. And of course, we got the uh, the uh, stalwarts, whether it's Lake Cole and Woodward Canyon, and uh, of course Leonetti Figgins, Quilcita Creek, uh, Hogue. Um, Gordon Brothers, uh, Waterbrook, uh, the Preset family. Uh, and even now, um, as some wineries turn 10 years old, I know that our friends over at Avenia, Chris Peterson, the winemaker, and Marty Talker, uh, they just crushed their 10th vintage, and time flies by, um, especially when you, you tend to you know do the same thing. It's about harvest. It's about checking grapes. It's about uh, doing punch downs and racking course bottling labeling blending trials etc lots going on and in this um you know november period get out to some of the wineries it gets dark a little earlier so plan ahead and um, check out woodenville of course we've got uh, the great uh, thirst avenue which is here in downtown seattle first avenue we've got uh, curlew cellars and lotto wines and roti cellars uh, we've got nine hats uh, all down in the Soto area, of course, FSDs around. And then we've got uh, Cadence and, uh, oh, what's the other one? Um, Tim Sorson. Patterson, yeah, Patterson has like three or four tasting rooms now. And we're finding that for whatever reason, the, the state legislature is being more cooperative uh, in helping uh, small businesses, well, to some degree, small wineries anyway. Uh, but the breweries, distilleries, and wineries are all counting on you guys to buy local and share local. And uh, I hope this this holiday season that you uh, you make an effort to um, you know to share something that we are very proud of, whether it's our foodstuffs, but our breweries and uh, our distilleries and wineries here are are something you can um, obviously ship across the country you can smuggle to another state if you want or you can obviously do the gift giving at your company party and or your personal white elephant gift Um, but if you're ever wondering uh, we have some resources out here washington state wine commission is uh gosh i think they're like their 25th year coming up something like that 
and they produce this great guide. It's called the uh, Official Tour Guide of Washington State Wine. Uh, they probably have some left, but the next one will be coming out in February again, uh, and they'll have a 1,000 wineries. So um, if you're looking for maps and uh, destinations and want to know uh, which wineries are which and, and where they are and discover some new ones, check out the Washington State Wine Commission. They've got uh, uh, these great uh, guides that will help you um, enjoy your time instead of spent uh, wondering and uh, wishing. Um, I get a lot of things across my desk. Uh, it's Some are very popular. Some are very cool. Um, like I got uh, this book about the complete hummus cookbook. <laughs> Over 100 Recipes Vegan-Friendly. It's by Catherine Gill, the author of the Dirty Vegan Cookbook. And I'm not sure what the Dirty Vegan means. I'm not sure if she's not washing her food or she has a, a part-time gig doing something else. But the Complete Hummus Cookbook, 100 Recipes. And hummus is one of the best uh, hors d'oeuvres you can have because it goes with chips, it goes with bread, it goes with uh, crudite. You can make it spicy, savory. Um, uh, so check it out, the Complete Hummus Cookbook. 100 recipes. Hey, folks, hope you enjoyed the show. Get out there and try some Trumbach wines. Try some Alsatian whites. And again, when you're out and about, remember, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers!